What's going on, guys? This is Rob Doster here. I want to let you know about our sponsors, Anchor by Spotify. If you haven't heard about them yet, it is the easiest way for you to make a podcast. I know because all of our 28 podcasts on the field of 68 and the field of 12 use Anchor by Spotify. It has the tools that will allow you to record and edit your pods right from your phone or your computer. You can distribute anywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, all those places that allow you to listen to podcasts for absolutely free. Anchor sends those pods directly to the feeds. And here's the best part about it. Anchor is totally free. So make sure you download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm if you want to get started on your own podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Dawser and Deshaun podcast. It is our Weekly Thursday night beers and ball live stream. As always, I have to say that very slowly to make sure that I don't mix it up because it could be very confusing if I do mix it up. Uh, Deshaun, how you doing, man? What's going on, brother? Nothing much, my guy. Just enjoying this uh, this week. I've it's been a lot of good basketball this week, man. So I'm uh, there, there's been some, there's been some, there's been some bad basketball too. And actually, that's something gonna, I do want to talk about real quick. I'm not um, going to negate that. I'm not going to negate that. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we before we get into it, this is the beers and ball live stream. Uh, I am drinking right now. I got the hop slam, the last one, the last one of the six pack. So let's get that going. Deshaun, what do you got there, sir? Uh, I thought I was different this time. Baltimore blonde. Uh, let me see, Guinness. So people that are looking, this is my first uh, blonde Guinness, like ever. Usually I get the uh, dark, first one ever. First blonde Guinness I've ever had. So usually I get that dark stuff, and it's like a weird taste I don't really like. But this, I hear I will like. So I'm excited. You're not a you're not a big stout guy. That's, I can, that's the style I, that Guinness is. Yeah, I can I can do it. Like if we're all hanging out, like a casual, like you know, what I mean, a casual thing, and there's no. Like pick something, everybody's just drinking Guinness. I'll do it, but if I have my choice of picking things, I usually don't go for stout. Yeah, I'm not a big Guinness guy either. It's just you know, you have one of them, and it's like you had an entire meal. And, then, <laughs> and the problem is, it's like it's only like four point five percent ABV or something like that. Yeah. So it's like you, you you get all those calories and all that stuff just sitting in your stomach, and you don't even get that junk off of it. So it's kind of like give give me something a little stronger if I'm going to be dealing with that much weight in my drink you know but i have heard this is pretty good so i thought you know what why not let you know on the show today it's got, it's got the it's got the maryland flag on it huh yeah this is uh it's, 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 it's in baltimore i mean they, they do it there so i'm excited i heard it's like a nice little citrus uh citrus style beer so it's gonna be like pretty crisp and light so i'm excited um i think we actually have a pretty fun show today we're gonna we're going to do some buy, sell, or hold again, but instead of just buy, buying, selling, or holding specific teams, we're going to be doing it based off of um, what we think those teams could end up being and kind of setting a little bit of parameters for it. Um, and then we're going to talk a little <laughs> bit about some bubble teams and some inner, are you in, are you out kind of a thing. Uh, and we're going to open it up, though, uh, with the coach of the year conversation that I want to get into because uh, the, the Field of 68 Twitter account put out a poll on on uh i guess it was wednesday and like it's just kind of gone crazy like it's still getting people quote tweeting it and yelling at us it's still getting people hopping in the mentions and screaming about how like their favorite coach um wasn't mentioned or got robbed or whatever so uh 
I think there are a lot of options this year. Like normally, like there's there's one or two people that stand out and kind of set themselves apart from the pack. But I feel like that's not the case this season. I feel like there's a lot more um, people that are involved and 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 different guys that are involved. So um, if you had to to pick today, who would be your national coach of the year? Ooh, if I had to pick today, I don't know. I have like numerous guys I kind of like this year just for, for different things. Um, as you can tell, I'm like, I, as you know already, I'm a big uh, Illinois fan. I like what Underwood does with Illinois. I mean, obviously I wish Illinois, the players would uh, play a little bit more consistent, but I like what Underwood does. I'm a big fan of Painter. Being able like, I love how Coach Painter is able to play, well, the way he sets his teams up. Well, he'll keep a good, solid group of veterans, and then he'll bring in a good group of freshmen, and he'll play the freshmen a lot. You got a chance to see that today. And uh, Shout out to Robbie. They talked about his class a little bit earlier today during the game as well. Robbie Hummel. Um, I like Coach Painter a lot. Coach Huggins, I mean, you guys were talking about Coach Huggins earlier. Um, Just being able to – to reinvent himself every opportunity he gets and just take what he has. And it's not like he has like a, a terrible players when I say take what he has, but like he knows how to get the most out of the players he has and then turn something, which most people will say, oh, it's a disaster into something, you know, special. So Coach Huggins is always up there with me. And um, Mark Few is great, man. I mean, you can, what do we say about Mark Few, bro? Like Mark Few's awesome. I like your boy at Alabama, Coach Oates. I was I, I texted you earlier talking about uh, Dockage uh, going at Oates too. I was like, oh, that was shocking because I thought Oates is. A, I think Oates is a great coach. I love his system. I think his system is what basketball is looking like nowadays. And I mean, he in the fact that he's able to get these guys to buy into that system and play unselfishly. I mean, they're. That's probably like the I want I don't want to throw out John Beeline esque, but more or less like the spacing, the emphasis on spacing and the unselfishness is is close to. Yeah, I mean Nate Nate kind of got to the NBA style before anyone else did in college when it comes to like the Mori ball stuff. Like Beeline kind of got there with the like the, the the spread ball screens and put the ball in your point guard's hands and surround him yeah. with shooters and, and just kind of let him rock. Like he did that with Trey Burke and he did it with Stauskas and and that's kind of like he was he kind of got there before everyone else and Nate Oates kind of got to the like the whole Mori Ball theory before well before anyone else at the high major level and before anyone to the extent that he does it where he says no mid range jumpers we want layups or we want threes more or less um you you know it's a crazy year in the Big Ten. When like you named three Big Ten coaches that I think all deserve consideration, very much so. Um, but like the top two guys that I would pick for Big Ten Coach of the Year are Chris Holtman and Juwan Howard. So like that's how you know it's insane. Where it's like you mentioned Brad Underwood and Matt Painter for National Coach of the Year, they just absolutely deserve consideration. And then I would have I wouldn't even have as, <laughs> as top two in in their conference coach of the year race. So that tells you all you need to know about what the season yeah, is. Man. But honestly. I think that – so the thing that frustrates me about the Coach of the Year award, Deshaun, and I'm sure you know about – you know all about this. It's the it's the fact that it's like the overachiever, right? It's like who went out and did the best job with guys that weren't supposed to be as good as they ended up being. You know, it was like who, um, who ended up being the most surprising team in the country. 
But at some point, you also have to consider like when there's a certain level of expectation for you t- for, for your team, even if you're the best team in the country, if you live up to or exceed that expectation, like you did a hell of a job. And I think the fact that Mark Few and Scott Drew are both sitting where they are with the schedules that they played and the records that they currently have, like they absolutely have to be there for National Coach of the Year. Considered. Like they're undefeated. We could end up having, like we very legitimately could end up having two undefeated teams playing for the national title on the last day of the NCAA tournament. Which is special. And that's awesome. Like the point of not messing up a good thing is actually hard. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's a, that should be accounted for. I mean, they have good teams, good players, great coaches. And we see that you see it a few times a year, sometimes more uh, this year than others, but like where teams will fall and crumble at a certain point in time, these teams have done a good job of not doing that. So you, you can't, you, you can't uh, hold, put both their hands behind their backs and then, uh, you know, punish them for having a good team and winning. Like it's, yeah, and and it's it's funny because like you never hear the best teams in the country like end up getting the coach of the year. Like how many times has John Calipari and, and Coach K won National Coach of the Year? You know, like once you reach a certain level of expectation, it's like okay, Coach K won a national title. That's what he's supposed to do. John Calipari got to a Final Four. That's what he's supposed to do. When you know it ain't easy to do that. No, nah, it's definitely it, not easy to get there, man. Yeah. So um, I, I I don't. I, w- I don't I don't know if I can necessarily make a call right now, but if I had to rank them, I would probably have uh, Mark Few and Scott Drew as like maybe a, even as co-national coach of the year at this point. Um, we'll see how the rest of the season plays out, but they're both up there. And then I think I'd have Holtman and Juwan Howard third and fourth. Uh, and two other guys that we haven't even mentioned yet and, and we will get into later are uh, Darian DeVry- uh, DeVries from Drake and mm-hmm. Porter Moser from Loyola Chicago. Like, that those they both big, might end up being that's a two bit uh that's a two bit conference it was Missouri Valley both of them might be yeah both of them might be yeah. at larges and like we're gonna get into this later but <laughs> they're they're playing a back to back at Drake this weekend I like which, that with the smaller co- the smaller the smaller colleges are doing that a lot they're getting their back to back games and and like as the season were progressing I think this oh, is, yeah. it just worked out special because these guys are. They got a chance to go to the tournament, both of them. So now it's gonna be it's gonna be a special weekend for both for both teams. Man. I'm excited. It's gonna be gonna be some good ball. I'm, I'm actually really looking forward to that because I haven't had as much of a chance to watch them play this year as I normally normally get for some of the mids. So I'm, I'm yeah. fired up for that, man. But yeah, it's it's a good year for coach the the coach of the year race. Yeah, I'm pulling for hugs, of course. I mean, chances of uh, getting to uh, career career win 900. Um, Gee, I mean, what? And then if he does, if he finishes the season off with losing a McDonald's All American, basically like the only McDonald's All American on the team, and I, I, I definitely a uh, shocker, like you said, but I definitely have to put my uh, vote in. Got to put your vote yeah. in. Yeah. Um, where do you stand? And I know what you're going to say here, but like. What do you think it'll mean to Hugs when when he eventually does get voted into the Hall of Fame? Because it's going to happen. I, I I hope it happens this year. Um, I know it's going to happen at some point. Like, what do you think it's going to mean to him when he gets there? I'm sure. I mean, a lot. I mean, it's about it would be like one of those. It's about damn toast. Um, but my the guy's put in a tremendous amount of work everywhere he's won. Everywhere he's been, he's won. 
he's turned programs around before he's left. He's left them better in a sense, um, in a sense better than what they were before he got there. I mean, I think what, granted, he left Cincinnati on, a, a, I guess you would say like a, a, a bad turn, but even then he left Mick Cronin with a really good team. And then he, and with somewhat of an identity in a sense of those guys that they had there, went to Kansas State. And then he leaves Kansas State after a year. And then Kansas State is like, Frank, Frank Martin did a great job as well, but their identity was tough, gritty, defensive basketball team. Gets John Beal, uh, like my team, basically, uh, we're a bunch of jump shooters. And uh, at that following, like, next year, to, to until I graduated, we're a really good half-court defensive team who could make jump shots, and we went to, ended up going to a Sweet 16 in the Final Four. Sweet 16 the very first year. Um and then get a couple bad teams from from here on out, and then turn some of those bad transfers and so on and so forth into Press Virginia. And then you have this scenario that happened this year, and they're still trucking. And I mean, everywhere he's been, he's won. And he's won, he's what he's gotten a coach of the year before in the con- and uh, what is it Big Twelve before? I, I want to say I think he might be one of the coaches to get a coach of the year in each conference he's been in. I mean, he should have. He's he's so, awesome. Um, yeah, I, I think I think my favorite thing about hugs. There's a lot of things that I love about him, um, but I think my favorite thing about hugs is that he wears his credential like looped on his belt loop, like like and hanging down in front of him, like so everybody can see it. It's like you're Bob Huggins. You're six eight. You like you are probably like the one six, of the eight. most recognized. <laughs> he's how tall? What is he like six five? Maybe he's he's big. I give, I'll give him six four. I give him six four. I give him six. Four. Maybe maybe it's just his presence that makes him feel like he's six foot eight. That's yeah. I can see that. I can see that. Whatever it is, like he he's a large human being, very recognizable human being, an enormous presence. Everybody knows who he is. Everybody, if you're at a college basketball game, you know who Bob Huggins is. And he still wears his correct his credential in front of him. It's 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 like it, that might be the most endearing thing about him is that he still does that. So humble, <laughs> humble, humble at his core, man. Humble yeah, that's it, core, man. that that always makes me laugh. Um, all right, let's get <laughs> let's let's get into this buy sell hold stuff. Uh, and I, I want to um, we're doing it a little bit differently this time. Instead of just buying or selling or holding teams, we're going to set some parameters on, on what it's going to actually be. Uh, it's easier to just kind of go through it than it is to sit here and explain it. So we'll start with this. Are you buying, are you selling, or are you holding on to Gonzaga as the national title favorite, Deshaun? I am going to hold. Uh, it, it sucks. Like I, I'm going to hold on Gonzaga winning the national championship, not because I think they're not as talented or the most talented team in the country. If, it, if we're going to base it off of that, I feel like I would, of course, I'm, I'm buying Gonzaga, they're a very talented team. Probably one of the best college teams that we've seen in a long time. I just feel when the tournament starts, because of schedule, and I'll keep saying it, and it's just, it's just the get the uh, accordion, uh, what do you call it, the violin out. It, I just feel like they they don't they're not playing anybody. They just had a tough game. Like they were they were playing what was it Pacific? <laughs> I'm not sure. Like who they they barely almost lost that game. Like and they're not playing anyone. And it's sooner like it. I, I can only imagine for them, like obviously you don't get bored winning games, but like if they're the competitors that they like that they I think they are, they're getting bored. 
And not I, to mention, I, I legit got a text during that Pacific game that said, "How bored does Gonzaga look right now?" Like they probably from a coach, bored. from a, from from a from a Division One college basketball coach that that knows this stuff. Like they look bored, and and not to mention, like the, it, they still got another. Kidding, 10. Hold on, hold on, one second, Troy. It's being drank. You can see. <laughs> I'm getting called out for not drinking my beer. It's, it's getting drank. I only have one with me though, so I have to ration it, buddy. So they're not they're not calling me out. I've already like sipped twenty, <laughs> 20 sips already. But uh, um, they they they're not playing anybody. They're they're obviously not engaged as as they as they were early in the season when they're playing like the all these like, all these uh, teams from other conferences, these ranked teams because they had a great non conference schedule. Something I can't say about Baylor like early on. And like they're not going to play people for a while, and then they're going to get to the tournament, and then they're going to start playing people. Now, do I think they can just turn it on? Do they have the talent to do so? Yes, but it's we haven't. I don't know. I, I I've seen them stay on while they were playing the non-conference schedule. Yeah, because they were playing good team after good team after good team. So you have to stay sharp and ready. While they're in conference, you know, sleepwalking through games, I'd kind of be worried when they get ready to play a good team right out the gate, will they be able to turn it on really quickly? Will they be able to get by that first game and then be able to take another good team or another, like it's, I can see Baylor right now sharpening their sword against good teams in their conference. And it's, I mean, it's not Gonzaga's fault. I mean, this is the conference in the conference isn't like terrible, but it's not to Gonzaga standards in a sense. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I got you. But it's also like, we have these concern with, concerns with them every single year. Yeah. And, and every year they go out and, and it's been the last five seasons. They've, they've, um, they've lived up to or they've outperformed what their seeding should actually be when it comes to the NCAA tournament. I, I mean, they are there. It's not like they haven't gone through this before. Like they know what it's going to be. And excuse me. Um, that's what happens when you drink beer, you burp on a live stream. Um, Guys but, got him started. Now you got him started, everybody. Yeah, yeah. Um, but <laughs> no, but it, I I get it. But it's at this point, like, and, and look, I say the same thing too. But it, it, I've gotten to the point where it's like I, I don't even think that that's necessarily going to be an issue with them because, like, I think that they are just waiting for this shit to start. It's like they cannot wait for the seasons. So it's not like they're bored. It's or, and it's not like they're going to be rusty. Or they're just like they're just like, please give me to the NCAA tournament. Like we're we're isolated in our house. Like, can we just fast forward to the end of the season so we like so we can get this shit done? Because I'm I'm ready. I'm ready to go. Um, I would, I would hold on them being the title favorites. And the only reason that I say that is because Baylor is just like, I, at some point, um, I'm, I'm I think I'm going to have to come to a reckoning and admit that when I said that Gonzaga was going to go undefeated and win the national title, um. I might have been underselling just how good Baylor is because they they're so fucking good, man. Yeah, I know. They're, I know. They're they're <laughs> so good. Like they they lock up on a perimeter. They got guys that can make shots. Uh, Mark Vital is just so important to what they can do defensively. They can play four guards with Mark Vital at the five and not have to worry about like being small. Like they they bring Matthew Mayer off the bench. And like I swear that dude, if he played at any other school, would be averaging like fifteen and would be yeah. in an all conference conversation. Like he's a, he can he's a play, he can play. You could just he's, look at him. You could tell by like the way he moves. He 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 just has a great feel for the game. So you know, you know, you know what's funny about him is um, they wanted him to put on weight this summer, and 
uh, the way that he put on weight was just to go eat fast food like three times a day. And yeah, he, said he, put on, he said he put on 25 pounds in six weeks. And he, he his body mass percentage, uh, what was it, the BMI, your body mass index? Yeah. It was 18%. Like he was, he got fat as shit. Yeah. I, I did the same thing in college. I was like, you need to get bigger. I was like, all right, cool. And they're like, no, they, they, I meant the weight room after I gained like 20 pounds. They're like, yeah, that's not what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> then I was in a Stairmaster like every freaking day. Yeah. That's the worst, man. Good that times. is the absolute worst. Um, but yeah, they're 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 just so good, and so th- that the only reason why I would hold on them is because I think Baylor is legit. Which brings us to the next one: Are you buying, selling, or holding on Baylor as the national title favorite? Because I look, I'm buying on. Them. I, I just, I just buying. for those reasons I, you just mentioned, like that's why mm-hmm. I'm buying on them because I, I I can honestly just Jared Butler and, and Davion Mitchell and just the rest of the group, bro. Like it, it's just a great team. Um, they're to me the best team, obviously, and, and to nu- numerous people, obviously, smarter than me, the uh, best defensive team in the country. They're shooting the ball amazing from three. You have two guys that can, if you need, take over a game offensively. They have defenders like Macy. You have guys all over the floor that can defend, man, and and lock up people. From perimeter to to the you know to the forwards and big, so I guess it's just too much versatility defensively, and also they can go small and still use that versatility offensively. It's they're just a very deep, well-rounded team, well-coached team, and it always helps that you have the Jared Butler. Yeah, so so for me, the reason why I'm I'm buying them as the title favorites is because they are elite defensively right like they they're they're better gonzaga is really good defensively but look baylor is elite because they have elite defenders at like three different positions and i think that raises the floor for what they can be because like they're they're the best three-point shooting team in college basketball they're leading the nation in three-point shooting they're also like top five in the country in offensive rebounding percentage Mm -hmm. and top five in the country in, in turnovers forced defensively so they're maximizing their possessions. They're they're the best three point shooting team. They do the the efficiency things that you need to be able to do better than anybody else. And and they're just they're so fucking good. <laughs> they're so fucking good. So like I I've I've gotten to the point where I think that they might actually be um, better than uh, Baylor. All right, I got another one for you. Are you buying, selling, or holding Villanova as the third best team in the country? I can. I honestly can't. Hold on, and I can't sell. I I could buy that. They, I feel like they're solid enough of a team to do it. Like they're a solid enough of a team to be the third best team. Um, I was a little worried when they uh they picked up that uh loss. Was it to uh, St. John's? Was it? Mm-hmm. The thing about Villanova that worries me is, like, I, I know they're gonna go in the offensive glass and they're gonna work uh, with JRE, and they have basically great perimeter play as far, as far as like coming off the dribble, catch and shoot. Oh, they, they have great perimeter. I worry about their interior defense a ton. Like Samuels is good, but I'm like, even then like guys tend to like get numbers on them in the, uh, in the paint, like bigs do pretty well against them. Like uh, yeah. Georgetown that it was just like the, even though they won that game, the bigs were doing whatever they wanted. Um, they shot pretty poorly against uh, St. John's. St. John's had a great game that game and the bigs, weren't really killing, but they, it was just the overall good game. I'm trying to think of another team. Uh, I can't remember the game before uh, the Georgetown game. 
But like the bigs just I worry about their interior defense. Like if they can stop some people in the paint, like when you go against a team like like go against Drew Timmy's team, or if they go against well, Baylor's not really murdering people in the paint, but like just a good like a Michigan, like who they're gonna go into the paint and try to get buckets with their bigs. Mm-hmm. That could do a little bit of damage to them. And then if they get, I mean, it, it just could do damage. I feel like it wouldn't be a good look for them. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. Um, I would, but I would be buying them heavy right now as the third mm-hmm. best team in the country because I think that they didn't necessarily have the losses. Like they 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 were able to beat Seton Hall. Yeah, um, Twi- twice, know. right? Yeah, yeah. And and they a, didn't. That's a, team. that's a good that's a good Seton Hall team. Who I think yeah. is going to bubble. Yeah, so they they. They were coming off of those uh, their their long COVID pause, and it didn't really like show up in terms of wins and losses until the St. John's game. Uh, but I mean, look, they they had their get right spot against Marquette. We okay, saw what yeah. they can still be offensively. Um, I'm worried about their perimeter defense a little bit more than their interior defense, just because mm-hmm. like guards have been able to get penetration against them. Like Colin Gillespie does a lot of very very good things. Keeping quick athletic guys in front of him is not necessarily one of those things that he does very, very well. Um, so the reason I would buy on them as a, like the third best team, though, more than anything else, is because people have kind of forgotten about them. You know, they took the loss to St. John's. They had their pause. And nobody remembers that, like, back in, what, like October and November, we were all like, look, it's Gonzaga, it's Baylor, and it's Villanova. Yeah, especially after they beat Texas. Like yep. my guy, like my guy uh, Joe, I'm just saying it. Yeah, Joe M. Like big, uh, big supporter there, Joe M. You're right. Uh, yeah, he they did beat Texas at Texas. Yeah, um, at Texas, well, they were like number right. eleven in the country or something. But, sure. but I, I'll tell you what, man. Like Texas, Texas might be bad. <laughs> they, oh no, I just they, I, haven't, they mm. haven't looked good in a while, and there's yeah the incon- there might, it, it, inconsistencies, man. It's just it's a lot of it. Yeah, there it's might be like, reasons for that, and and we can uh, we can talk about that after the stream. But I'll, that's what, but that, but that's why I picked Villanova. I can say I can buy on Villanova because out of like we talked about before, everybody after Gonzaga and Baylor, it's like a toss up. But to, in my eyes, Villanova is probably the most solid. Like in Michigan, are like the most solid teams overall. Like as a, a group, there's not just uh, there's not much like drop off with Villanova. Like I feel like they play consistently, like consistent for the majority of the time they're they're playing together. Yeah. All right. So that brings me to the next one. Are you buying, selling, or holding on Michigan as the third best team in the country? And I bring that up because to me, the most fascinating game of the weekend. Um, other than like I'm really looking forward to Loyola and, and Drake, but the most fascinating game of the weekend is Michigan at Wisconsin. Because it's gonna be the first time Michigan played coming off of their pause. And I really want to see what they're gonna be. So are you buying, selling, or holding on them as, as the third best team? I'm holding on them mainly because of the break. I mean, I want to see what they look like after the break. Uh, before the break, I thought they were fine. Um, I'm really big on uh, on uh, livers. I'm really big. I'm thinking something like they got a really good team. Uh, just got to see how this looks after that break, man. It's not not. I think it's only one team that's come back after the break and looked really good. And Villanova will probably be that team. And even then, they had a they had a loss against <laughs> against St. John's. So I, I got to put a hold on them and, and see how it looks. Yeah, I don't. I don't think there's anything other than a hold that we can say. Like I, I actually thought. <laughs> so when, when, I, when, I, when I was, I'm reading, no, when I was, I'm reading Dan, I'm reading Danker's uh, <laughs> thing. Talking about Bill Wall. 
Bill, Bill Walton. What does it say? Even pretend to talk about basketball. I don't know. I got it up. I, I got. I got. I got way too much money on the Oregon money line right now, so I have to have oh it on gosh. the TV over there. Which is yeah. why you keep seeing me look over to the look side. Because my TVs are on that side of the, the <laughs> office, but um, I, I can't. I can't with him anymore. And and He's look, I, th- all right. So this is my tangent, but like I've, I've kind of gotten to the point where, like watching watching so much college basketball this season has become a little bit of a grind because I, I just feel like the, the level of play has, has fallen off um, pretty significantly this year. And it's understandable, right? Like, look, we've never really watched college basketball because of how great the, the actual gameplay is. Like if you're looking to watch great basketball, you should probably be watching the NBA where the best players on the entire planet are playing. Right. Um, and the thing about college college hoops that's made it so special and so fun and so endearing is you got you have all of these kids that are playing for like their university, playing for the people that came before them, playing for like that that quote unquote family, all that cliche stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're you're doing it in one of the most unbelievable atmospheres that you'll ever get in any sporting event anywhere on the planet, right? Like the student sections, Cameron Crazies. Uh, Fog Allen, like West Virginia, when they do, um, like the the guy comes out with the musket and everything, like the the atmosphere, the fans, the people involved, like that's what makes college basketball so special. And now you put all these kids in a situation where, like, they've more or less been asked to kind of like be in social isolation, whether or not they're actually isolating, but they're being asked to kind of socially isolate from all of their friends, all of their family. They can't go out and see people. They can't go home. They're basically living in a hotel room and, and just over and over or, or their dorm room and, and over and over and over again, just like binging TV shows or whatever you would do, right? You're not getting the same kind of camaraderie because you're not able to have team dinners the same way. You're not have, able to have team bonding trips. And we're asking them to do this for like six months in a time when everybody's going through shit. Yeah. And, they don't have that atmosphere to play in front of. And now like they made the conference tournaments are kind of going over. Like it's almost like playing a sport that's built on the atmosphere that you're playing in, taking away that atmosphere is going to affect the product. So it's just, it's gotten to a point where it's just kind of like, man, like this is, I don't want to say it's a chore to watch it, but it's just kind of like, this is not, this is not very good basketball that is happening right now. And it's completely understandable. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. I agree. It's we're, we're, we're all going through it here. Um, all right. So that's my tangent. Anyway, like I put Michigan on here because I thought it'd be a great thing to talk about in terms of like, okay, they're coming off the pause. What are they going to see? But it's like the most obvious hole in the world. Cause it's yeah, like, like I, we, I don't, we don't know what the, we don't know what the fuck they are. So let's say exactly. All right. <laughs> are you, are you buying, selling or holding on Ohio state as a final four threat? No, I'm sorry. Five, as, the, as the best team in the big 10 is the best team in the big 10. I'm gonna hold on that because I'm still waiting on Michigan. Like their 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 whole has nothing to do with them. It's like every other team almost. Like I'm still waiting to see what people will be doing in the conference. I can't. I like I like I you know, I say Iowa State. I like Ohio State. Um, they played great against against the best competition, like ranked competition. Um, but I still need to see. There's other teams I kind of I favor, and I like to see uh, how Michigan does in the Big Ten. Yeah. Um, so 
I I'm kind of buying on it a little bit, but it's also like uh, I feel like they're going to come back to earth, right? They're they're the team more than anyone else in college basketball. Where I'm just I just look at them, I'm like, okay, how has this happened? How how are they as good as they are? Right? They like they they don't have a pro. They have questions at the point guard spot. It's not like they have a great five. Like Kyle Young's kind of good at his role, and EJ Liddell is a very, very good and very, very useful player. But it's not like they have a great center. They have a bunch of guys that are basically the same size. Yeah. And they just hit a whole bunch of threes. Like I I'm kind of waiting for them to regress to the mean a little bit when it comes to the shooting. Um, mm-hmm. but they haven't yet. And it's just like they they just keep having these nights where it's like, well, okay, tonight's going to be the night where Dwayne Washington goes off and, and, and hits seven threes and goes for 25 points. And tonight's going to be the night when Justin Aarons hits four huge threes in the second half. And tonight's going to be the night where, where E.G. Liddell goes for 27 and you know makes Kofi Coburn looks like, look like a lamppost when he's trying to play defense. Yeah, so, but if you think about it, though, those games, Iowa, uh, yeah. Illinois, um, just I mean, like they play – they beat – up on teams that have bigs and they play small. So like yeah. this, but when they play teams like size, it doesn't always turn out like that. So I don't, it's, I kind of feel like the guy, like they, they had the upper hand in the scenario when they had EJ Liddell going up against Luka Garza and obviously going up against Iowa anyway with the way they defend. And, and then you have these other teams as well. It's, it take it, you play mismatches. I mean, it's basketball. They just find they do a good job of uh, exploiting the mismatches. They just can't find them when they play against like sized teams. Yeah, they do, and and it's also one of those things where it's it's kind of like in my head I'm thinking like okay, like eventually they're going to come back to earth. But when they just don't keep come back to earth and they just keep playing as well as they're playing, like at what point do I just be like Rob, you're being stupid? They're awesome. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's that's kind of where I'm at with this. It's like Rob, you're being <laughs> stupid. They're awesome. You, you said that now, man. Just, just, just hold out a little bit longer. <laughs> yeah. Um. I just, I just want to answer Colin real quick. Colin said it was interesting how guys in the bubble went off versus how in college it, it was the opposite. And what I would say is this: I feel like for the first maybe like month of the season, when it was kind of new and it was kind of exciting, um, it felt like it was more like it felt like the basketball was a little bit better, right? And, but the difference is in the bubble, the reason why the bubble was so um, so good at the start was because, one, you had the best players in the world just, like, itching to play and itching to get back out there. But, two, like, if you talk to the guys that were actually there, and, like, they, I don't know if you talk to, like, any guys that are still in the NBA or that were in the bubble, but mm-hmm. what it turned into was something of, like, okay, one, it took the pressure off of the – their presence in public, right? Like when you're, when you're an NBA player and you go out, everybody knows who you are. Like there's no hiding. You're, you're, you're taller than everybody else, right? You're recognizable because it's the one sport here where you don't have anything on your head. So when you're watching you on TV, like you're going to look exactly the same as you look when I see you at a restaurant or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Like football players have a helmet on. Baseball players have like eye black and helmets and hats and everything. Right. A hockey player is like, well, who cares about hockey? That's not a real sport. Um, Shut up. up. You don't want to run into those guys. (laughs) Yeah, you don't want to. You don't want to. But so so for the basketball players, especially with the popularity that the NBA has gained with, like, the the younger generation is that 
when they go out, like they're mobbed, especially the superstars. They're mobbed. They're celebrities. Like LeBron James can't go anywhere without like calling ahead and setting up like a security detail. Right. And it's like that for a lot of these guys. So when they got there and it was a bubble and there was nothing else to do, like they could go out and do whatever the fuck they wanted and they didn't have to deal with people. So it almost became like a summer camp. Like it became for the people that were there. It was, it was like, they could just go hang out and be regular guys. You know what I'm saying? Like, because when you're, picturing, I'm picturing like a, a kid's summer camp. While you're yeah. But you, know, but you know what I'm saying? So it's like the, when they got there, it was almost like a weight off of their shoulders. Not only were they able to compete, not only were they able to get out and like try to get into some symbol, like some, some, some kind of normalcy, but it also allowed them to kind of be regular people in their environment. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah, they, yeah, they, no, they weren't celebrities. Like you're everybody there's an NBA player, right? Yeah. Even the last even the last guy on an NBA bench is not necessarily going to be like in awe when he sees Paul George walk by. He's gonna be like, Yeah, that's the dude that I gotta I gotta guard that motherfucker next week, right? But by the end, what happened was the teams that lasted were the teams that were there to just compete. And the reason why you saw some some of the better teams kind of fade out, and maybe like the Clippers didn't perform as well as they did because the weight, the the the, the mental weight that it, that that it took to be away from your family for that long, and in isolation for that long, and in the bubble for that long, like that's a lot to handle for anybody. And I think didn't Paul George come out afterwards and basically say like, "Look, I, I was." borderline depressed i don't know if he used those words but he was like that he shit a, that shit wait on a, he used he used it during the uh like after a win i think he won, they won a game and he was saying like he was like it was he was having a mental stuff bothering him and all, and all that stuff but yeah so so the difference is in college right like you're you don't get that that kind of camaraderie because when you're when you're in the bubble like you could go out and you could hang out with who you wanted as long as you tested negative um, when you're in college, like you go, you play, and you come back to your dorm room. So, like the college kids are basically living the lives that we're living right now, but instead of working from home, they have to go to the gym and play and come back and do it all for free because the only reason we're doing all of this is to make sure the NCAA gets that $900 paycheck at the end of the season. That's very different than sending them to a bubble where you're kind of able to get that weight of the public pressure that you have off of your back um, and and to just go completely compete and play ball. So yeah. it's, it's too – to me, it's too – I get – Colin, I get what you're saying, but it's 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 two very different situations that these kids are in. Does that make sense? No, I, trust me. I get it. I feel like it was just more of a scenario. Like, I would definitely lean to what you were saying. But it was just – it was it was just basketball. Like, at the end of the day, bro, you, just like you said, it gets rid of all the other unnecessary stuff, and the guys went out there and did what they knew how to do, which is play ball. And it was a little AU vibe to it, but – they just got a chance to just go out there and hoop without all the extras, man. And yeah, you saw yeah. you saw who wanted to be there when it was when it was championship time. Yeah, and and that's that's kind of how you knew who wanted to hoop. But it's also exactly. and and look, I, I look for for the LeBron fans out there. I'm not saying that you need to put an asterisk on this title because like why being, they played. They yeah, played. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not saying that you need to put an asterisk on this title. But it was very clear that the people that were wired to go out and play ball and do nothing other than play ball and could handle the mental, the mental pressure that comes with what they were being put in. Those were the teams that made it as far. Like everybody on that Miami heat team is tough as shit and wired a certain way. Like that's how they built their roster. They wanted a bunch of dudes that could, that, that, that could deal with Jimmy Butler. And you know how fucking, you know how fucking hardheaded you have to be to be able to deal with Jimmy Butler. Like you got to be wired a certain way. 
So it was not surprising to me that that was the team that made it. And then on the other side, you got you got LeBron. Like LeBron, <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> look, there. I, I say this in the nicest way possible, but like, there's something wrong with that dude to be as singularly wired to pursue one thing as he is, right? There's there's yeah. there's a certain level. The the thing about <laughs> difference, there, there's a lot of guys that have the physical gifts that LeBron did growing up, right? There's a lot of guys that have kind of some of those same like someone like maybe a Bernardo Sydney. Like th- there's there's players that are as big as him ooh, ooh, and that are as athletic oh, as yeah. him, right? Bernardo Sydney. The physical tools that LeBron has are not 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 that unique right there's other people that are, that 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 are that are that are built the way that he is built with the same kind of god-given gifts but it's it's the mindset it's the it's the it's the I'm never going to lose I'm never going to stop working the same thing with Kawhi like Kawhi is just wired different that dude will spend like 6 hours in the gym doing nothing but ball handling drills doing nothing but making sure okay I got to be able to get this step back off of this crossover to, so I can get this shot because one time when I did it the shot got blocked Kobe Bryant, like I've, I'm sure you've heard plenty of stories about like just the crazy workouts that Kobe Bryant used to do. Yeah, man, just the, the workout thing is different, man. The workout yeah. thing is different, man. And some of these Those guys th- are they they I can't say they they're built for it, but when they build up that type of work ethic, and you see like after you put in all that kind of work, what what happens? Like you can literally almost do anything on the court. I mean, those guys those guys keep going, and then there's other guys that are excited from everything else, like the the uh, walkthrough with the clothes and everything like they yeah. enjoy, they enjoy those things. Like those other guys enjoy, uh, <laughs> they enjoy like just kicking somebody's ass and, <laughs> and winning championships and winning games and, and competing. Like that's the stuff that they enjoy. So. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's some guys are different. All right. Let's get back to the subject at hand. Indeed. indeed. Um, <laughs> we, I don't know how we got on that. I don't know how we got on that. T- I didn't uh, mind. To, I didn't mind. I didn't mind. Yeah, Colin, I think it was, it was Colin. Shout out to Colin. Um, yeah. He got us on that tangent. All right. Uh, buy, sell, or hold these three teams as final four threats. Illinois, Virginia, and Alabama. Illinois, buy, Virginia, sell, Alabama. I could – you know, I might have to hold Alabama. I'm going to hold on Alabama. I like the – I like I like Coach Oates, man, and I like uh, – I like Petty. I like their team. I – just need them all to be healthy before uh, the tournament starts. And if they're healthy by the time a uh, Big 12 tournament starts, like toward the end of this uh, regular season, and you ask that question again, I'm buying. I'm, I'm putting my money down. I'm definitely buying. Because them five out at any point in time, transitioning, pull-up threes, but, like, I, I'm, all, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all in. So I would, I would buy both Illinois and Alabama as Final Four threats. Um with Illinois, it's, it's really just simple to me. Like, there's there's such a high percentage of the time where they are going to have the two best players on the floor. Yeah. Like, how often are you? Is is there going to be a player that's better than than Iodasunmu or Kofi Coburn? There's not many teams that have a player better than those two guys. Um, and if you have the two best players on the floor, more often than not, you're probably going to end up winning the game. So, I would I would definitely buy on Illinois there, um, and I would buy on Alabama. Because we know what they can be offensively when they're making their shots, but I, I, they're they're also I don't know how many people realize this they're number two in the country in in adjusted defensive efficiency on Ken Palm. They are according to the numbers 
a better defensive team than Baylor. At least they've been a better defensive team than Baylor so far this season. So if you can give me a team with that kind of ceiling, plus that kind of floor because of how good they are defensively, like yeah, I feel I like you're not being on them. I feel like they're a really solid defensive team, but it, what makes the team a little bit better is the fact that they can switch. They're all like yes. around and say like they're so versatile. Like and you can um, you can have a you can have like Shackerford and these guys switch off and guard a four man and hold like they, they do a good job of that. Yeah, I also think that so much of it kind of depends on the health and the status of Herb Jones. Yeah, um, him. Who, I, I mean, there's a couple other dudes in the team that need to be healthy as well. I feel like they – Jordan Bruner for sure. Like that, they, I feel like they just need a – if I see them before tournament, like before Big 12 – I mean, I said Big 12, excuse me. I said that shit last time. Excuse me. <laughs> the Bears are getting me. If they're, if they're healthy before the SEC – they are they're gonna be that's a team that'll be tougher for anybody to be in the country. Like even like the wrong night Baylor could run into like you know in the tournament they run into them and not ready to go. Like they shoot the ball that well. They, and they defend pretty damn good to it could be a problem. Yep. Um I just want to answer 82 Atlantic real quick about Illinois losing at home to Maryland. Uh there were a couple things that happened in that game. Um one, Maryland is a good matchup against um against Illinois because what you need to be able to do is pull Kofi Coburn away from the basket. And Maryland basically has like five dudes that are the same size. Like they're, they're a little bit like Ohio state light in the sense that they have five guys that can all make shots and play on the perimeter. And they play kind of this five out style and switch everything. They just don't have guys that are as good as Ohio state's guys are. Mm-hmm. Um, and two, uh, they did this thing. Yeah. Well, what they did was they, they, they forced Io to his left every single time he touched the ball and I believe that was the first time that he really saw a defense that did that Um, and they've they've been able to adjust to that a little bit but it was uh, it was more I think that that was a a beneficial matchup where Mark Turgeon actually did like something really smart offensively um, or defensively to kind of take away Io Uh, so credit to Mark Turgeon like you you won't hear me give credit to Mark Turgeon all that often um, but I will I'm giving credit to to Mark Turgeon in that one so I think that that was (laughs) That that had a lot to do with uh with the matchup there. Um but I, I hear what you're saying. Trust me, I get what you're saying. Uh but I just think that that because of the amount of talent that they have, like that's a team that can get there. Right? Like how many again, in a year that th- that's this weird where there's this many teams that just aren't very good, at some point you just kinda kinda say, like, okay, they probably have the two best players most of the time. They they can make a final four. <laughs> I think it's that simple. Um, for Virginia, look, I Virginia fans are going to hate me for this, but they they are as three-point reliant as anybody in the country. And teams that have enough size at the point guard spot to take advantage of the Kihei mismatch are going to give them trouble. I think it's that simple. So, Not to um, mention teams that, that play a little bit more physical. Yes. Yeah. Huff and Hauser have a tough time. I guess it's, it's tough as like uh, – like Huff, obviously, like most shot blockers, you're, they're the best shot blockers are off the ball. And I, I can't even remember the last game they played where their big uh, the big was just in his chest and he couldn't block any shots. Like it was just you're keeping him from blocking shots, and if they're not making any shots, like Hauser and Huff, like it, you, you got out physical and you can out tough them, and then you can win the game as well. Um. All right. So let's finish this up real quick with uh, with six. Are they ins or are they outs? Um. I think the most interesting. Uh. 
excuse me again with the burp. It's it's the beers, man. It's the beers. Um, I think the most interesting bubble team right now is Maryland. Because how about this? Maryland is uh is nine and ten in the regular season. They're four nine in the Big Ten. But they have a their net is 39th. Their strength of schedule is like one of the best in the country. They've played 19 games. Say, Sean, how about this? 14 of their 19 games have come against quad one opponents. They have a four and ten record in those games, but like their worst loss is is probably at Indiana. And at and Indiana is like a top 50 team. That's not a bad loss by any stretch of the imagination. They won at Illinois. They won at Wisconsin. They won yeah. at Minnesota. Um, and and the the big thing for me is that oh they won at Minnesota. Yeah, the the okay. big, well Minnesota Minnesota is like fifty second in the net, so that's not that's not a great win. But uh, if it should, was like a, if it was at Maryland, I wouldn't be surprised because Minnesota sucks on the road. Well, that's that's the thing. Like they have three wins over teams that were ranked in the top seventeen at the time that they won. Um, but like and and they're heading into the easy part of their schedule. You know, they they the re- they they kind of went through all of the top teams already, and they don't play them again. So they should be able to get well if they're going to make the NCAA tournament. Then they'll then they'll win like five of their next six or six of their next seven or something like that. So uh, their record will look a lot better. So I I think Maryland's got a very real chance to get into the NCAA tournament, despite the fact that they're sitting here on February what is it February twelfth with a yeah. below five hundred record. It's crazy when you think about that, but that's the Big Ten. I mean, for you. That's the Big Ten exactly. I was gonna say just reading uh, Colin asking if you think Maryland is getting in over like a Winthrop type team. I mean. I can't, I can't, I don't know many teams. I mean, I don't know many. Uh, I wouldn't think the committee would look at them and say, uh, yeah, they won in Wisconsin. Like one at Wisconsin, they won at, what is it? Wisconsin and at Illinois. Like, yeah, they're going to get in, I think. Yeah. Um, those teams. The, the, the thing for Winthrop, um, one, I, I kind of suspect that there's a, there's a chance that Winthrop, will just be the automatic bid if they win their league. Uh, I, I, I there's there's um, there's been some some rumblings from from what I've heard is that um, some of these small conferences won't uh, decide to actually play them. But the thing with Winthrop is like they literally have played nobody. Yeah, so they, they like played. They, yeah, they played two non conference games, and yes, it was against UNC Greensboro and, and Furman, um, which are two really good teams. From the uh, are they. Are they SoCon? I'm pretty sure they're SoCon. I think, so, I think yeah, yeah, Furman is that. I, I can never keep it like so. The the teams in the SoCon and the teams in the Big South, I always get them mixed up. I never, I can never keep them straight. Um, so I, and they got a loss to UNC Asheville. Like, look, I understand how tough it is, but when you <laughs> haven't beaten anyone and you you have a quad four loss on your resume like that, that's. The, the committee has shown over and over and over again, those are the kind of things where they will say, okay, yeah, well, we're not taking you because of that. So, yeah. um, and they won at Radford tonight. They, they blew out Radford and, and they get Radford again on the road tomorrow. So we'll see how that ends up going. Radford's pretty good. Uh, but like, I just, I have a very hard time seeing how Winthrop will get in just because the, uh, the that's the way that the committee um, works. All right, next up. On the list of most interesting bubble resumes, I want to talk a little bit about UConn uh, because um, – so the thing with UConn is like their resume is not – is very bubble-worthy right now. It's probably NIT-worthy. They're 8-5 and five overall. They're 5-5 five and five in the league. Their net is in the mid-50s. 
their strength of schedule is is right around the top 100. They're one and two against quad one opponents. They're three and five against quad one and quad two opponents. They have a win over number 17 uh, USC, number 17 in the net with James Booknight. They are (laughs) three and four without James Booknight. And what's so fascinating to me about this spot day is that I think this is where we're really going to see what the committee values in terms of um, uh, players being being injured and players not being available. Yeah. I mean, they still got games coming up uh, that, I mean, if they win these games, I think they got a chance to, like, I mean – they got a chance. They got to win these games convincingly, though. And, if, and I kind of don't think they're going to beat Villanova convincingly. I can't see that. I, I it's going to. Well, see, here's my thing with it. Like, and isn't that at Villanova too? Yeah, but if if they win that game and they got Book Knight back, and even if like let's say they lose a close game with Book Knight back, and they win everything else that they play, at, at what point do you kind of say, okay, well, look, the reason why they struggled is because they didn't have James Book Knight, and now James Book Knight is healthy. Like, how much do you do you, do you take that into account? Like that's going to be the fascinating part about UConn's resume, and like we cannot honestly, like we cannot even really say, yeah. Uh, by the way, um, Oregon's going to win, so it's a good day. Day you might actually be able to get paid since I gambled with uh, get try. I almost gambled away all of the money coming in for the field of sixty eight. So <laughs> yes, <laughs> you, yes, one get a paycheck, baby. Let's go. Um, there we go, Rob. <laughs> yeah, but the so the thing about UConn that's that's fascinating is like we're really going to see what the committee values in this situation. So it's like I put them on this list. And I thought it was going to be a great talking point, but it's pretty much like, yeah, we can't do anything until <laughs> we see Book Night back and know how they are. So yeah, I'm still holding a grudge on RJ Cole. So because Goodman, yeah. look, buddy, <laughs> look, you settled down over there. You settled down. Day, show show them what you got. Day, show them what I'm you aware. got. I'm here. I'm from I'm from Morgantown. Uh, excuse me, I'm from North New Jersey. I live in Morgantown. Uh, we drink beer here. Yeah, uh, you know what they know do. What, you know, you know what they I do in Newark too. They drink beer in Newark too. Yeah, yeah. They drink, they drink, they drink Henny. They drink Henny at home. No, they. It's all Henny. We don't do uh, we don't do beer in Newark. <laughs> all right. Um. So we got two Pac-12 teams and two Missouri Valley teams. Let's talk about the Valley teams first. Drake is fascinating to me. Um, they're 16-1 on the season. They have a really, really good uh, good net rating. Their strength of schedule is complete dog shit. Complete <laughs> dog shit. They haven't played anybody in the top 100 yet, all right? Like, yeah. They, they haven't played a top 100 opponent. Um, they have four quad two wins, but they were all road games against league opponents. They won at Missouri State twice. They won at Indiana State twice. And they have just that ugly, ugly quad four loss. Um, yeah. To, to Valpo, shout out to Valpo. Yeah, shout out to Colin Gordon. He said Goodman has the weird beer slash music taste, according to sources. <laughs> nah, <laughs> <That's the case. laughs> thank you. That's a uh, uh, wow. I don't know what to say to that, uh, Jeff. <laughs> Let him go. I, don't don't, I don't respond to him. He's just he can't just have a two million, two million dollar boat in the house on yeah. My house. Don't worry about it. <laughs> like you, like you were saying, Rob. <laughs> okay. uh, all right, Goodman is weird. There we they're go. go. They're going in on Goodman, Goodman now. Say Goodman. Right, let's, let's let's get this done. Let's stay focused so we can finish this thing <laughs> sure, up. Sure, sure, sure. Um, and then Loyola, Loyola's computer numbers are are just unbelievable. I think they're top fifteen in both Kempom and the net. They're fifteen and three overall, but they have all of three quad two wins. 
They're three and three against quad one and quad two, and they have like a loss at Indiana State, which is their bad loss, which isn't a bad like it's not really a bad loss. It's um it's it's a quad two loss. So basically, if Loyola gets in, it'll be their computer numbers. But what's so fascinating is I think if they, I think the best thing for the Valley overall would be for these two teams to split this weekend. You get a a great road win for Loyola, a quad one road win for Loyola. You get a quad one um, home win for Drake because you'd be beating a team in the top 15. And all of a sudden, both of these teams would actually have a quad one win on their resume. And you could say, like, look, of course they're going to lose a game. They play each other twice. They beat, they, they split. So I think the best thing for the Valley would be a split this weekend between these two teams. Having this game at Drake is the best-case scenario. A split is the best-case scenario. And I think if they get a split and everybody else wins and they win all their other games and um, they play each other in the title game of the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament, both of these teams will get in the tournament. That's right. I feel, I feel like that can definitely happen. I hate being a conspiracy theorist. I think that would be – that's definitely going to happen. I mean, it'd be too good for the conference to not happen. <laughs> like, it's like, <laughs> they have opportunity to get two guys, two teams in the conference into the tournament. Like, yeah, the, I mean, the league, league commission has already gotten on the phone with the rest of the league. <laughs> like, yeah, who, league <laughs> like, who, can, who can be bought? <laughs> like, who can be bought? The money that goes to the, to the league. Would, <laughs> Jeff, like, Jeff Goodman's been on the phone texting with him. Like, these are the referees that can be. Bought. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's a joke. That's a joke. That's a joke. I want to make that clear. Gomez Gary to pop up right now. Yeah, here he comes. Um, all right. The last two I want to talk about Stanford. They're sitting here after a loss to Colorado tonight. They're 12 and eight overall, eight and five in the Pac 12. Their net is uh, 58. They have a top 50 strength of schedule. They are two and six against quad one opponents. Um, but they have a win over Alabama on a neutral floor. The Alabama's the top 10 team. Uh, they also won at Arizona. Their bad losses, I'm doing air quotes here, are bad, uh, are um, at Utah, at Arizona State. Uh, they really, really, really need to get that win against Colorado tonight. I think that um, the problem. I, I saw some of it. Some of it. Uh, it the, the problem with the 7 p.m. tips this year is like the, the second half just ends up being bath time at bedtime. So it's like. What am I supposed to do? <laughs> um, I think that they have to get a win at USC on February 22nd to be able to get in. And then there's Oregon. Oregon improved to 11 of four uh, overall. They're six and three uh, in the Pac 12. Their net is going to probably bump up a little bit, but they're still in the low 50s. They are now one and two against quad one opponents. Um, their, their best win is. Uh, Seton Hall on a neutral back in December. They have a pair of quad three losses, but this is the interesting one because both of those came. It was home to Wazoo and home to Oregon State. Both of those came like in the middle of all of their like the COVID shit that Oregon was dealing with. Um, they played five games against quad one and quad two. Well, six now because they won tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they're uh, so yeah, it's uh, I don't know. I like it's, Oregon. They got like five guys in that average double figures. They got like a nice well. They're good. Team. They're good. Team. I think they'll give a lot of teams trouble because they'll see the strength of schedule. They'll probably think they don't play. Or they don't play anybody in a sense. And then Oregon will probably punch them in the mouth. <laughs> so I can say that. Well, that's, that's that's the thing. Oregon is a team. I, I think Oregon is the best team in the Pac-12. And I'm I'm expecting them to go on a little bit of a run here down the stretch of the season. Um, but we'll see. Like, I, if they if they if they win out or come anything close to it, they're probably going to the NCAA tournament. Is my guess. 
I I hope they do actually because I like I I love seeing balanced teams like that, bro. It's just like it's a lot of fun to like watch them, watch Creighton. Like it, you don't know who's gonna be the guy that night, and it yep. makes it tough on these like two like two heavy like two player heavy teams. So, oh, Colin said he's like as long as you saw Keon's dunk, then we we're, we're good. Did you see that dunk? That was a uh, wow. Tennessee's I, back, baby. I've been saying it. Tennessee is back. They I like that. I might have to like eat my words when the two freshmen are like the leading, the front guys. Jaden had, had thirty the other night. That's what I said. Like I might have 30. to just eat my words and just sit back and just enjoy the Tennessee show, bro. Like in it, the last in the last two games, right? Mm-hmm. Jaden Springer and Keon Johnson combined are averaging forty nine points. My sources, according to my sources, all right, according to Jeff Goodman's sources too. That's good. <laughs> Like I like I the only thing I didn't like about it before was like I told you I said it before it's just like I we couldn't they didn't have a guy or guys that can like take the lead scoring it looked like everybody was hesitant to like make a play when shot clock was going down if it wasn't like a wide open like someone got got lucky enough to get into the paint touch the paint and kick like I would worry about them but like seeing these two be the lead scorers for the, the team and then still having everybody else fulfill their roles. I like Tennessee. Yeah, there's a couple things I want to touch on real quick. First of all, Colin, um, I think that <laughs> I think that Tennessee's best lineup is when they play Eve at the five, and then they go with some combination of uh, Santi, Victor Bailey, Keon Johnson, Jaden Springer, and Josiah Jordan James around him, and just go full small. I think you got to go full small, play fast, try to force turnovers, press, do all that good stuff. Uh, the so 82 Atlantic asked. Why has Zaire Williams been such a disappointment at Stanford? It's very hard for me, and I, I should have mentioned this in the in the conversation about them in the bubble. It's very hard for me to take anything that has happened with Stanford this season outside of the context that uh, Jeff well, Jeff Goldman, uh, Goodman said this. That this is actually serious. Uh, he said this on the our stream, our morning stream the other day. They've now spent five days, five days in their like own beds, not living in hotels. When they, they went to Asheville for the, the Maui Invitational and they stayed in North Carolina for a while and stayed there. Then they went to LA and Southern California and they stayed there for a while. Then they were staying out in Santa Cruz and playing all of their games at the Golden State Warriors G League facility because the requirements of the county that they are in in California, California is that you cannot, like they can't have practices legally because you can't have that many people in one gathering. So they've been like their season, they might have had it the worst of like any team in terms of what you're dealing with with COVID isolation and uh, living away from from people and not being able to experience the stuff that you need to be able to experience. So like Zaire Williams struggling with everything that he's been struggling with is like doesn't it's not even surprising, man. Like man, like I get stress, it. The stress like, level, like the stress level of these kids, uh, the like just uh, I want I don't want to use panic but just more or less like what is it like just just the worry of what's going on you don't know if you're going to be if you're going to play or not going to play and just not it's home just, you don't see your family like it's just it's a lot bro for any it's, kid it's like, hard it's hard and like we saw Zaire in Maui and how good he can be and I I just think that um and and I don't this, I I don't have a source on this one but what I'm saying is you can you can watch that team. You could see that team. You could see him and understand that like those dudes are going through it, and it's not it has not been easy for Stanford. So like 
anything that's happened with that team and those players, like you got to take it within the context of like the shit is really, really hard for them right now. But anyway, today, look, it's been, we've been here for an hour. Uh, my beer is empty. I have to go get another one. Uh, but listen, everyone that's hung out this far, thank you. These are always fun, man. The Thursday nights are the nights I look forward to more Indeed. than anything else because we could just, we could drink beer and bullshit with people. So um, if you're just catching the end of this, uh, make sure that you subscribe to the Dawson Deshaun podcast on anywhere that you get podcasts for absolutely free. Uh, we will be uploading this audio tonight for the morning. So as always, Deshaun, been a pleasure, my man. Always a pleasure, Rob. And thank you guys for looking.